Welcome to another episode of Generation Tech. We skipped a week last week. We just had lots of stuff going on, and it didn't quite work out, so we took a, a mini summer break, which was, uh, uh, you know, it was nice going into the weekend, and I was getting ready, celebrating uh, uh, a milestone birthday, which was a lot of fun with with uh, family over yesterday. Um, birthday was actually on the 30th last Thursday last week uh thursday but uh being midweek we waited and celebrated till the weekend but uh anyway we're back this week i'm todd brinker i'm joined as always by my dad jack how are you i'm doing fine i'm doing fine awesome you, it sounds, awesome. It, did, did you join my generation yet my generation um <laughs> I, don't, I don't think i'm gonna ever catch you i think that's unfortunately the way that works Immutable uh, law, huh? Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, although my youngest sister always points out every year that, you know, she celebrates my birthday and then reminds me that she's always going to be younger. Yes, I know. And I will be more wise and better looking. But, you know, everybody's got their cross to bear. <laughs> I just, just got a got a call from your sister. She's at the Nationals game. Yeah. Yeah, my oh, other my other forth. sister. Yeah, she's watching a baseball game today. Yeah, so it's a great way to spend a Fourth of July. That's kind of a yeah traditional holiday thing, right? Yeah, that so sounds kind of cool. Even if you're a Nationals fan, being a Dodger fan, it's hard for me to. But you know, <laughs> our family has has various sports interests, and and we don't always agree on everything, and that's fine. You know, yeah. that makes for fun, fun little jibes and rivalries. So, so yeah, she goes to the Nationals games. She also goes to the, um, what's the New York, or the uh, the uh, D.C. Um, hockey games. They go to hockey games a lot, too. Yeah, they do that. You know, yeah. hockey season just wrapped up uh, uh, a week or two ago. So, um, although well, I don't believe they had been in it for a while. <laughs> Capitals is the team they cheer yeah, for. That's right, yeah. yeah. So uh, uh, and I don't believe the Capitals. I, I never played hockey, so I didn't really understand the game and mm -hmm. was so and wasn't attractive to me, you know. Yeah, but, yeah, you know, it just depends. I think a large part on where you grow up, right? If you grow up in the Northeast, then you're probably uh, much more hockey familiar than you are if you grow up, you know, in the Midwest or in the Southwest. Oh, or something. absolutely, and and uh, and and you probably played it too. I mean, right. that makes a big difference because then you yeah. really have to know the game a lot better. Yeah, although it's it's had a lot of growth out here on the West Coast. I know um, uh, some of the high schools have put together hockey programs now. Um, although the big growth sport recently has been um, lacrosse. Which oh, is, yeah. You know, sort okay. of hockey on a field instead of in a rink. But yeah, uh, Jeff used to coach that. Uh -huh. He was a he played that as a kid. Mm hmm. That, that's uh, yeah, it's it's one of the fastest growing um, intramural sports now. Um, water polo was really fast growing for a while. But right now it seems like the hot new sport that a lot of schools are picking up is lacrosse. So mm -hmm. I know our school added a lacrosse team a couple of years ago and they've done pretty well. So. Yep. I say our school. I coach at a high school, um, so that's why I say our school. The school that I coach at, I coach swimming, and uh, so any you, um, I sent you a couple links on some uh, some stuff that's in the news. I thought this was interesting. Xiaomi, uh, uh, which is a uh, 
you know, Chinese uh, corporation and, and has had some difficulty selling stuff in the U.S. as a result because, uh, you know, much like Huawei, they, um, uh, uh, I think the U.S. government is like keeping a very close eye on some of these um, uh, Chinese corporations that have close ties to the government uh, for fear that they will embed their devices with, you know, tracking stuff like every other cell phone on the planet. Um, you know, I mean, it's the, the, I, I hate to say it, but I'm afraid that the, uh, the, the fears are probably not, not, uh, unfounded, but rather absolutely true and, and exactly the same as everybody else's phone. So, you know, the, the idea that we might have a phone that's not tracking us anymore is pretty silly. Um, you know, they're all connected a hundred percent of the time and have a GPS sensor in them. You don't think that's available to people who want it uh, in pretty much every government of every country everywhere? <laughs> you know, it's yeah, uh, yeah. It's a... But uh, anyhow, what was cool about this is it has a one-inch image sensor inside the camera. Now, realize that a one-inch would be one like a one-inch diagonal. It's a little bit bigger than a postage stamp or about the size of a postage stamp. That the um, the sensor that's in most of the cameras that we're seeing now the 12 megapixel and, and even the multi hundred the the hundred megapixel ones is about the size of the fingernail on your pinky finger. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's it's a uh, it's a very tiny sensor, and to put up this large of a sensor in a, in a phone, it's a one inch fifty megapixel Sony sensor, um, which means it's going to be able to grab light and have much better um, raw images that then get processed by the phone. Um, and I'm, I'd be, I'm just very curious and, and kind of enthused about what this means in terms of the quality of the phone. You know, um, I've always thought that somebody, some phone manufacturer should cut a deal with somebody like a Canon or a, um, uh, um, uh, Nikon is what I was trying to think of, but the, the Canon, Nikon, there's a bunch of, uh, you know, Pentax, there's a bunch of other ones out there. And they sort of did this. Motorola sort of did this uh, a while back, but they only had one clip-on thing. And that is, I think that they could create a magnetic mount that mounts to the back of your camera to hold the lenses on. And that you could then um, have interchangeable lenses. So if you wanted to have a serious camera, you can snap a lens on. Otherwise, it's just the, the walk-around lens, you know? Um, yeah. And that way, then, you could literally have a you know very high end serious camera with with long telephoto lenses and you know any kind of of um uh image stabilization and stuff that you want built into the lens and attach it to you know your phone body which becomes the camera body and uh gives you just a lot of flexibility in both worlds um you know i've i've always thought that they should do that nobody's quite gone there Motorola had a uh, phone that you could snap different backs onto, and they had one that was built by Hasselblad and gave you a nice lens. Um, and they well, had one I, that was an extra I, battery, but they only had one. It was just, just the one lens. Yeah. Uh, you know, gradually, uh, these cameras have gotten so good that they're way beyond the, the norm of somebody who isn't a professional. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I you mean, know, they're already there, even with the tiny little thumbnail-sized sensors. You're right. Sometimes the best camera you could possibly take a picture with is the one that's on the back and, of your phone. And and most people, uh, you know, unless they're really into cameras, aren't going to get too excited about merging these professional 
kinds of things because they just don't have the uh, the need for that kind of capabilities. Well, but I think that one of the needs that I think a lot of people can relate to is my kid is in some sport or I'm a fan of some sport and I want a long lens that's going to be able to give me a much closer oh. look at what's out on the field or what my kid is doing that I can't, you know, my phone, if I use, if I take a picture from my phone, even if I use the zoom lens, it, you know, my kid's a dot out on this big, long field. Whereas right. if I had a long lens, I could get right up in there and see the look on my face, that look on that kid's determination, you know, on their face when they're getting ready to, to, you know, run over and then drop the ball. And so, but, but the ability to control it with that kind of a zoom is mm-hmm. pretty minimal, you know, you really need to put it on a tripod pretty soon. You know. Well, but there's all kinds of, of uh, both uh, mechanical and electrical, um, you know, motion steadiness in, built into the, you, built into cameras these days so yeah, that you don't true. have to tripod it. Uh, you just want something that's going to give you a better, you know, more length on your shot. You know, and I know there's these companies that do it sort of after the fact that you can buy lenses that will snap on and onto a special case to give yourself a longer lens. But it just mm-hmm. seems to me like that's something that should be addressed by the manufacturers, that you should um, have better better lensing. Now, I understand that there's there's rumors out there that they're going to make like telescope lenses. So instead of having the lens stick out from the phone, it's going to la- land vertically inside the phone. And so – you won't physically, you know, via some mirrors, you physically won't have to have a bump on the back of the phone at some point. That that's what they're working on. Is that, but those are still, you know, really, really small optics. Um, but, you know, when you've got a really small sensor, and obviously they can get good quality images off these small sensors, so maybe that's the way to go uh, rather than having something that can attach to it. You know, then you could have zoom lenses and stuff built in. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't know. I think that I just feel like there are plenty of times that that normal people have uh, opportunities to take photos where a where where more length in the lens would be valuable. Uh, I I think you're right. With with sports is a, is a case that a lot of people face. You know. So uh, yeah. yeah. Anybody raising Photo- a kid it would want is, is going to want something that's even more than a, the small telephotos that are built into your phones right now. Um, you know, and how they get that, whether they do it through some sort of telescopic lens inside the case of the camera that, you know, uh, bends light using some mirrors so that it can, you know, fit inside a case or they make it with some sort of thing that attaches to the outside. I can see Apple saying, we don't want anything attaching to the outside. We're never going to design a phone that has something attaches to the outside of our, you know. But yeah. but me being a a photographer and having some some you know full body cameras and, and replaceable lens cameras, um, I've always thought that they should develop a camera that has a a slot on the back and you just slide your phone in there and it becomes the screen on the back and when you take pictures then the, when the phone's plugged into it, excuse me, then then the phone becomes. You know, the camera then becomes part of the phone, so the photos are are automatically transferred in via the, you know, USB-C or Lightning or whatever. Um, you know, the problem is is the the multitudinous variety of phone sizes that what will and won't fit. You know. Yeah, yeah, but uh, we're getting so much capability in such a small space. Uh, the only real reason that's uh, that the main driver on most phones. Now is just the display size that people want to look at, you know. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, well, not only what want to look at, but also want to carry around because there's a lot of people who who don't like the huge phones because they're just so big and chunky in their pockets. I mean, you know, if you I, carry a satchel or yeah. a purse or something, then it's a little bit different. But yeah, uh, I I could see uh, something like a, a flip phone still uh, having some appeal, so that you get the basic thing smaller in your pocket. Yeah. You know, because there's compromises for all of this, and so I, I, I'm, I'm thinking that's sort of the last, sort of major, uh, leap to get more screen size in less space and mm-hmm. still fit in your pocket. Yeah, <laughs> revert to the flip phone. You know, or yeah. are you talking about the new uh, flip phones with the foldable screens? Yeah. You know, because those go back to flip phone, but then they're thicker. You know. So it's yeah. like, well, do you want something that's, you know, thicker in your pocket or, you know, or do you want something that is is flatter but larger? You know, whether you fold the screen in half or not, you still have X amount of thickness, right? Yeah. I I don't know what the right answer is. Uh, I think- uh, one, one time I thought that, that one that you could actually have, they were talking about sort of a film-like thing that you pull out and it's like stretch the top out on the Thanks so you can get your your screen longer just by ro- unrolling this sort of a screen-like material. That, uh, oh, but then you could you could slide it back in when you wanted it in your pocket. But I haven't seen anybody talking about that anymore. Uh, where you have a screen that's sort of a roll-up type screen. Yeah. You know? Uh huh. So it sits in your pocket, sort of rolled up, and then you you yeah, you, the, you take the cylinder seems, and slide the, out the screen. Yeah, the the discussion seems to have resolved down to one of being able to bend it at one part of the screen and leave the rest of it alone. Right. So I, I think something about the screen technology has has uh, said, well, we can't do that roll up thing anymore. Uh, you know, yeah. mechanically, that seemed like a nice way to get a big screen in a small space, you know? Yeah, I think what it was was when the screen unrolled, it wasn't rigid enough for people to do the kind of touching and stuff that they needed to, you know, on it. Yeah, it was possibly. Too, it was too floppy. And, you know, in I'm sure in, in evaluations, maybe not public beta testing, but inside the companies, they tried things like that and went, eh, this doesn't really work very well. Yep. Yeah. Uh, it's but, hard to say where where it will end up, but yeah, it it, it never ends. I mean, if there's just people going to keep trying new things, and yeah, but, yeah, and I th- well, and I think the answer is going to be is some people are going to like one thing and some are going to like another. Oh yeah, there there may be some market. To, that's that's the other issue is who who what, what's the majority want? That's that's where the monk the uh, work's going to go. Because that's where the money is, right? Right. Yeah. Well, and you know, the bulk of the population is going to be, I'm perfectly happy with the phone I got. I really don't want anything major different. You know, that was Steve Jobs' complaint, right? Was people don't know what they want till we show them what's available. You know, till we show them what we got. And then they go, oh. Yeah. But we've come so far with phones that uh, I think we're we're getting uh, up to good enough, you know. (laughs) <laughs> I think so. I think, yeah, yeah, most people are going to be hard-pressed to say, well, I've absolutely got to have, you know, this other feature that just doesn't exist on uh, on your phone. Uh, 
you know, I think there's still some opportunities in the networking arena so that you can connect more things together. Uh, um, and may, maybe that'll allow us to have uh, uh, a real small just phone, but if you want to display, then that's a separate thing, and all you do is plug this in, plug your little smartphone into this display device, and suddenly you got, you know, a much bigger display of pretty, pretty much any size you want. I, I, I can f see, uh, I don't know what you call these kind of things where one, uh, one thing is a part of a bigger device, which is a part of a bigger device. Uh -huh. Sort of modular. You know, like, like for cameras and displays that, that size, you know, can, can benefit. Uh, but uh, the phone and all the smarts of it does, don't need to be firmly attached to those things. It, it seems to me it could be a pluggable module. No. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. So and it's from like a, production yeah, standpoint, a mo modular that, design gives has some advantages. So. Yeah. But. Uh, you were saying I, from I don't know. People don't like connectors. That's the other part of it. You know. Yeah. But yeah. Modular. The, the, the connect, that's why I was cleanly. thinking the network system where if you got at least a a very high bandwidth mm -hmm. RF type of thing. Like a U1 chip. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> mm. See if that really becomes a reality, and, and you got a good high bandwidth connection. Now you can yeah. really get serious about some of these other yeah. uh, packaging options. You know. Right. No, I, I, uh, you know, because I was talking about how like I would like my phone to slide into the back. Well, there's already uh, phone software that allows you to attach to your professional camera and while you're taking shots those photos are being transferred to your phone wirelessly um, yeah. but it's it's very slow you're better off taking the pictures and then then selecting which ones you want to transfer rather than right. just letting them all transfer transfer over yeah. um, but when you do that then all of the the processing that you get from the camera in the phone is lost you know yeah, yeah. I mean, I would like it to come right in and be processed as if I had taken it right on my phone, but it's coming from a higher quality camera, uh, well, or at least a larger lens, larger sensor camera. I don't know, you know, qualities of ephemeral yeah. thing. But but then, uh, you know, get the same processing and light correction and stuff that it would get any other way as it comes in. Um, that's what I would like, um, you know, and to be able to do it in a, in a fast fashion, you know, so whether it's, you know, I, they, I think they use Bluetooth to see, sort of set up the connections usually, but the phone or the, the camera ends up acting as a Wi-Fi hotspot that you have to attach to with your phone, um, in order to get enough bandwidth to do the, the processing of the images right now. Yeah. Funny you say that because I was just reading about, uh, uh, you know, on uh, iPads and the Pro line, you can get the phone service on your iPad. But right. if you already have, if you already have, let's say, a, a, a 5G phone, mm -hmm. you know, with a high bandwidth capability, and it just use a hotspot off your phone is is cheaper than buying another line out of your iPad. You know, so it's Once it's also less convenient and. Um, the a lot of service providers, if you 
do that daisy chain from your phone to provide a Wi-Fi hotspot, they limit the amount of data on your Wi-Fi hotspot. So you still, if you want to use it more, then you have to pay for more. So you may not be winning it or saving anything. Uh, well, if, they, if you're paying for a 5G service, I don't think they can be limiting it. Sure they can. They can do whatever they want. And and they can say that you can you can use your phone for this 5G and it's unlimited but if you attach via a Wi-Fi hotspot that we're not going to that we are going to limit the amount of data you're allowed to move across the high Wi-Fi hotspot and they do that oh yeah mhm and have for quite a while <laughs> and so just be aware of that 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 you know it 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 may be cheaper but it may not it just depends on how you use it uh. You know, um, I, for for the contracts that I have, I pay an extra ten bucks for any any um, iPad iPad devices attached. I also pay an extra ten bucks for any watches that are attached via the cell network as a adjunct. Ten bucks a month. Yes. Oh. So. And whenever I buy a, uh, an iPad, I always pay the extra to get that Wi-Fi connection because very often I'm using my wi- my iPad at uh, swim meets on a pool deck somewhere, and I need that connectivity. Mm. So I always get it with that. So the phone, so the iPad that you have that you bought from me has the uh, cellular network built into it. You just have to add it to your service contract if you ever want to use it course your lifestyle is such that you're pretty much at home all the time so it doesn't well you know, you know i had that when i was on the road with the rv right know? and it made a lot of sense there yeah so yeah but i no, mean you know yeah, i mean that's all changed now i was gonna say you know between uh you, you don't need the ipad and any wi-fi run into the grocery store and 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 i would guess that at church you probably have a wi-fi network there that you attach to so you know, it's not worth you paying extra to that, have that. That's right. I, I, you know, I, I, I've had most all my devices that work at church as well. Right. Yeah. Well, and and on, uh, on the occasion that you are somewhere where you want to use that, why you know, use your iPad and and do something on the internet, and you're away from there, you can you can uh, attach to the Wi-Fi hotspot on your phone. Right. So you know, it's an option for you, but. Uh, but you know, again, it just depends on your use case. Everybody uses their their equipment slightly differently and fits into their lifestyle a little bit differently. So no. the Apple Watch Series Eight is rumored to be able to detect if you have a fever. Yeah, I see that. That's uh, kind of their uh, rumor, though. You know, yeah. Kind of well, and what they're yet. saying is, is that it can detect if you have a fever, and then it would recommend that you check with the thermometer to be accurate. So. Um, so what they're saying is, is it can it can monitor body temperature and tell you when your temperature has risen, but that it may not be uh, accurate enough coming from your wrist to trust as your only thermometer, right? So then you would still want to use a thermometer to check via your forehead or under your tongue or you know in your armpit, or whatever the different kind. There's several different ways of doing it these days. Yep. So. <laughs> Which is interesting, you know, there's just one more sensor on there. Um, you know, I think they've done all the easy sensors, right? I mean, getting an accurate temperature from your arm, I think, is interesting. Um, the uh, other one that obviously they've been 
you know, them and lots of other people have been trying to figure out is how to figure out blood sugar without poking the skin, yeah. you know, and that yeah. would, whomever gets that is, you know, is, is going to be a game changer and everybody will immediately start paying licensing fees to whomever figures that out so that they can all do it. Yeah. Uh, but that, that's, you know, I, I, and I, of course I'm presuming somebody will figure it out eventually, but, uh, um, you know, right now that's just, that's just in the ether. So, well, you know, the one that, uh, uh that I'm aware of, uh, that, uh, has diabetes, mm-hmm. you're not, that, that's, that's the that, yeah, sensor you're talking about, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, it's the diabetics one that measures, need... yeah, it's the one that it's blood sugar. And so diabetics need it. I think yeah. what we would also find is we've well, got a lot the, the... more people in the population who have blood sugar management issues they're not even aware of. But but I'm just saying that uh, Noah has a, a, a company device that's got the got the whole industry right now for diabetics, mm-hmm. and and that reads out on a separate device. It's not a watch, you know. Right. Yeah. It's got a sensor that has to then poke through the skin, and it, uh, it does poke through the skin. Yes. I didn't know it. I don't think so. Yes, it does, and uh, and so. You know the 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 end goal here is to get one that doesn't have to do that. The sensor that he that he he puts on does have small needles in it. Hmm. Okay, I wasn't aware of it. So, anyhow, that's um, you know one more thing that's supposed to be out there. Um, you know that you know they're working on. I also heard a rumor that you know before um, the last uh, watch release, they they were talking about the watch is going to flat sides, so it'd be more like the iPad Pros and the iPad Air, um, and new and the phones have all gone to flat sides instead of the rounded sides, but the watch remains with those rounded sides, you know. And I, li- that- I like the r- rounded sides. This this iPad that I got from you has a pretty edgy feel to it I, I don't particularly like that yeah and that's what they've gone to on everything that ipad was the first one that did it but they've done that now on the newest phones and on on all the ipads except for the basic ipad and so there was a rumor they were going to do it on the watch uh, and i've now heard that that, that maybe is going to come with watch series 8 and that it may not be for all the watches it may be just like for the se watch the se watch in order to differentiate it from the from the Pro watches, you know, because the SE is the less expensive one, that it might have straight sides. Hmm. So, although basic design rule says if you're going to make a new design, that should be on that should be on your high end stuff, because people will desire the new design just because it's new. So, yeah. so the uh, higher end watches should get the new design, and the old watch will remain curved like the current line of watches are well i have the seven i think i won't be looking for a watch probably until it gets past 10 (laughs) yeah close to 12 if i live that long yeah well i've got i've got a five and so i might be looking at one we'll see what i just depends on what's in it i didn't see much in the six and the seven that were that compelling to, to to make me want to spend that money you know yeah certainly not the six i think i moved from a three to the seven you know yeah yeah, certainly not anything from the 5 to the 6. The 7 at least went to a slightly larger screen, which I thought was intriguing. It has some yeah. some faces that are available to it that I can't get, but Yeah. 
Um, anyway, I'm I'm totally happy with my watch for for now and yeah. for who knows how long. Uh, and uh, pretty much still happy with my tin phone. Yeah, you know uh, that was a, a big jump, and I I just yeah. don't know. Yeah, well, well you got the fir- me to change. I you got the I'm... first first one that was available that had the Face ID and the 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 new full screen look for Apple. You know, yeah. and, and you're right. You look at it, and you go, well, what's been added since then? Well, they're all a little faster. They all have a little bit better cameras. Okay. Yeah, and I know I don't want a bigger thing because this is too. Uh, if I have any complaint, it's just too big for my pocket. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah, well, if you want to downsize, you should get the uh, uh, an iPhone 13 Mini and grab it quick because apparently they're not making a Mini of the 14. So if you like, a, if you want a smaller phone, you know, yeah, that or the the SE has the same guts and it's even it's even a little bit smaller, but it goes back to Touch ID instead of Face ID. But uh, I'll tell you what, people wearing masks that that's not necessarily a downgrade. Yeah, well, I, I I mentioned the flip phone. I'm just kind of hanging around, you know. I think maybe that would be a significant step. And, uh-huh. and I wouldn't buy the first one that's out either. I well, yeah. knew that it was a good upgrade, you know. Yeah. No, the only thing I could see that would push you moving to something else would be just, you know, is your battery not holding a charge. And you can always go get a new battery put in it. Well, that's the biggest issue with my iPad, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's seemed like I have. You have it on the charger several times a day. Right. Yeah. Well, it might be worth, you know, at least uh, checking to see what it would cost to swap out the battery on that. And, and the same problem with my computer. Mm-hmm. I don't know what to do about it because I don't think I'm ever going to upgrade a computer again. Yeah. You know. Not even to the new MacBook Air 2? ha. <laughs> They still haven't given us a date for that. They they showed it to us at the Worldwide Developers Conference. Yeah. And they are now um shipping the uh the M two version of the thirteen inch pro MacBook. But that was basically the exact same MacBook they were selling before. All they did was slap the new M two motherboard in it and say, Okay, here it is. The, so, the only thing I have thought about is is a display Thing that they came out with that was fifteen hundred dollars or something like that. Yeah. That I that I can come in here and I could plug in my iPad to it and get a big display if I want. Yeah, have a know? nice big screen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I I I do need probably some kind of a keyboard when I do that, so I'd probably uh, go get one of those magic keyboards or whatever they call them these days. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Yeah. The more Something that you use as a stand so that when you come in here, you don't have to hold it, you know? Right. Yeah, that's what I have my iPad in is uh, is the uh, their top-of-the-line Apple keyboard for the iPad. Yeah. You know, that's a case. But it's it's a rigid, rigid stand to hold the thing. Um, and I use it yeah. that way a lot. But then when I just want to, you know, just, just iPad, I just pop it out because it's magnetic. It just snaps right off and snaps right back on. Yeah, um, yeah. But I well, actually I, use that much more than I use my laptop for everything I, this year. I had I had had my iPad in a case ever since I first started using them, but uh, I got used to this one without any case at all. It's, it's the Apple on the back's getting a little scratched, and you know. Mm-hmm. But other than that, I figured why not? You know, it's just it's heavy enough as it is. I just right. 
Yeah, you can hold it comfortably in your hands, and yeah. it's like again, you're not going into any environment that requires it be ruggedized. You know, right? Um, I mean, I the do only, take mine out onto a pool deck. Possibly so. dropping it when I'm walking around. You know, right? It's not very grippy. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I mean that that I guess you could improve the grippiness of it by putting it into a case. You know. I know. I see those people who buy those cases that are made out of like Nerf material that you know make what this sleek, thin iPad. You know, they turn it into an inch thick thing because it's got this foam uh, armor all the way around yeah, it. And I go, eh, that's not for me. Yeah, looks ugly too. Doesn't yeah. It? <laughs> Back years ago, I think on the first or maybe the second iPad that I had, I bought one of those cases once, thinking, oh, that'll you know make it tough and and solid. And it's like, and it holds. Almost no weight because the Nerf foam is pretty light. And uh, so I put it in the thing and I looked at it and went, I'm never going to use it like that. <laughs> I'm just not going <laughs> to use it that way. So yeah, that was my last endeavor into um, uh, the heavy-duty cases for iPads. I did go through a phase where I kept one of those like life cases or, or uh, you know, the real heavy-duty ones on my uh, phone. Again, just because I was on pool decks and and wanted to make sure it was sort of splash protected and and you know if it lands there it lands on something really hard. But over the years I've gone back to just basic thin cases. I wear I use a um, an Apple leather case on my iPhone 11, which is my current iPhone, and it's taken really good care of it. And I switched to using the red ones a while back because part of the money goes to fight AIDS and also because I could find a red case in my swim bag easier than a black or a brown case. <laughs> well, that's a different reason. <laughs> yeah, you know, just made it easier to get back in there. So Yeah. So, yeah. So there's a variety of stuff that Apple's got rumored to come out here. You know, they said that the, they apparently there's been a leak that they think they're going to try to start shipping the new uh, MacBook Airs uh, by the 15th of July. So we'll see in the next couple of weeks if that proves to be true. Well, that's what I was going to ask you. Is there anything, meetings or anything coming up this so, month? Or I don't think there's any meetings or anything planned, but that doesn't mean that they can't do some product releases. Well, I, I saw one article that kind of rumored, like, sounded like there was going to be several more meetings this year. I mean, like and there may of be, having they, one or two big things before the end of the uh, we always have the you know fall meeting right but but that somebody thought that we might have a couple more just so that you got time to discuss the products right yeah because you know they don't they don't like to to cram them all in there and and they'd rather control more news cycle right so so spread them out a little bit so some of the things that are rumored to be in development are a uh, m2 version of the mac mini so that would replace the Current the current top end Mac Mini has still got an Intel chip in it. They have not replaced that yet. So yeah. uh, so the uh, they think an M2 Pro. See that was what was missing is everybody expected that the Mini would have an M an M1 and an M1 Pro in it, and then you could get the M1 Max and the M1 Ultra in the studio, right? So well, you, I I they, think what. What they're doing has everything to do with business. That keep keeping the uh, you know when you change your processor out, there's a lot of people who like the fact that they had compatibility with the Windows right. hardware. You know. Yeah. And so the, there was a pretty fair chunk of their business that. Uh, right. Well, and that turned out to be that. like the number one reason people bought minis was they were they were being bought by companies that put them in server rooms. 
Yeah. And they may require Intel stuff or 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 Windows compatibility that you don't get otherwise. Yeah. So uh, I I don't know if they're ready to really jump out of that compatibility game yet because it's probably a pretty good business. Yeah. Um, I think they're going to do it anyway because they said they would and they're going to. I think it's going to happen. I think, but that's certainly why they kept the Intel one around. That, and I think, quite honestly, getting enough of the M1 Pros, which would have been that next level mini, uh, made during you know COVID stuff. I think they just decided, you know, we just put that one off a little bit longer. Um, but I think it's obviously going to come. It's just yeah. Uh, what they really want to do, what I would think over time, is their competitor is Microsoft and try to get Microsoft soft were uh, recompiled for their hardware. That's what they'd like. So convert yeah. the users from from uh, all these other guys' hardware to their hardware because they that's that's who they're competing with. You know? Yeah. Well, I think they would more more than wanting Windows because there is already a Windows uh, kernel that runs on ARM processors. Microsoft sells an ARM processor Windows tablet convertible pc um so that exists i think more than them wanting that to work on the apple stuff they want to convince everybody just just switch to software you know rather than 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 try to get the pc stuff to work on their hardware they're saying why don't you just buy some software that's already compiled to run on our hardware in our operating system it'll be much faster and you'll be much happier in the long run yeah you you, you really need to know what their strategy is in order to see why they do things you know <laughs> yeah yeah but i mean I, I i don't think that there's not a large motivation within apple to to find ways to make windows stuff work better on their hardware yeah, you know, I think that when they went to Intel, it was easy to do, and so they said, "Sure, that's an option for you." But yeah. you know, coming away from that, I don't think that they see that as a big enough part of their market. They're going to say, if you use something that runs on Windows, almost everything that's of much importance has uh, a version of it that'll be compiled to run on the Mac, and it'll be much better in its native environment. Yeah. Uh, that said, there's a whole bunch of software that's, you know, been custom written in-house for XYZ, you know, to do something within a company, right? That's, they, sure. That's that maybe they consider that to be their secret sauce and sets them apart from their competitors. And that may have been compiled to run on Windows. And then the developers who developed it maybe have now left the company and gone on and they've been using it for 10 years. And they may look at this and go, I ain't changing. You know, yep. you know, I'm not yep. going to pay the, the thousands of dollars to have a developer come in and figure out what this does and then rewrite it. You know, there's, that doesn't make sense for a company either sometimes. So, yeah. so if but that's the use, case, then use, usually as time goes on, though, they, they cave because, you know, they, somebody wants to do something new and different. Mm -hmm. Well, I will software, say software can't really remain, remain to, you know, totally static. There is a total. There is a complete um, uh, uh, subgenre of Windows PCs. Uh, I, uh, you know, kind of led by Intel. They make an, a computer called the Nook NUK, and actually they make a series of computers called Nooks. And the Nook computers are basically the PC equivalent of an uh, of a Mac Mini. 
Yeah. The form factor is not exactly the same on them, but some of the form factors are almost exactly the same even. And, uh, and so, you know, if you're, if you need a small computer to run windows on, you're probably much better off getting one of the Nook computers and doing that rather than trying to do windows on, on a, you know, Mac hardware. Yeah. Um, and in fact, even the high-end Mac with an Intel chip in it is still, you know, older guts than what you could get on some of the latest Nooks. Because uh, the Intel Mac won't even let you run the latest version of uh, Windows, Windows 11. You can't run that on the Intel-based Mac because it doesn't have all the hardware that's required for that operating system. So, you know, it's if you're insistent on having one machine that can run both then I guess still having the Intel Mac uh, Mini makes sense. But I think, you know, Windows is... Uh, the, the the Mac people have let it linger around long enough that they're just going to say, okay, now it's gone and we'll sell what's left in inventory at some point. But Hey, did you hear the rumor that they're going to bring back a new full-size HomePod? I did see that, yeah. Yeah, yeah uh... You know, it'll be for the top end people who want to spend a lot of money. That's what right. That's how they decide what. what right. Well, what and the question want. too is the one that they canceled. The original one was originally a three hundred and fifty dollars speaker, that they then moved down to two hundred ninety nine dollars. But that meant that if you wanted a stereo pair, you were looking at a six hundred or a seven hundred, depending on you know when you were looking at it. Hundred dollar mm-hmm. investment for a pair of speakers. Um, it's funny because I've heard a lot of people say that those were ridiculously priced and obviously were going to flop. But I think that that's the case if you compare them to um, to the you know Amazon uh, Echo device that had been mm-hmm. out and the Echo Minis that were selling for $35. Then, yeah, it was absolutely ridiculous. But if you compare it to a set of small bookshelf, you know, high-end Clipsitch speakers or... Uh, you know, uh, a pair of, of you know, high-end Bose speakers of similar ilk. Um, and the fact that then Apple created software for, for making them, you know, voice compatible, they fit very neatly into that niche and fit the price pretty well. They're, you know, price competitive for high-end bookshelf speakers. But that's yeah. what, But that's not what people were comparing them to because they came out you know, after Apple had, or after Amazon had already created this new smart speaker thing. And they really yeah. weren't ever designed to be direct competitors with those, with, with the um, uh, Amazon or the Google devices. And in fact, that's why I think they came out with the mini afterwards to say, okay, we've got something that competes more directly with those if you want yep. the mini. But, but, uh, you know, I think people, the the market that they were trying to hit with that was a very mu- much of a niche market. Somebody who's w- willing to spend a lot of money to get really good sound out of small small speakers, you know. Um, so what I heard the rumor was anyway is that the new speakers will be um, uh, about three quarters the size of the original one. So they'll still be smaller, and instead of having um, like a, a bass and six six mid range slash tweeter speakers around it, so an array of seven speakers that it was now going to have three speakers going around with the bass in the middle so that it would be, um, you know, it's it's like, because the Mini has a single driver with a passive radiator in it. Um, and so mm-hmm. this this will give them three smaller speakers plus then the, the you know, 
their base slash passive radiator piece in the middle. Um, so you know, give them the, uh, the a broader sound sp- stage than the than the than the mini, um, and w- through advances, they think it'll sound as good or real close to as good as the original one. But they'll be able to sell it for like one ninety nine. So, um, you know, if they can hit that one ninety nine or knowing Apple, probably two fifty. Yeah, right? I, the, the, when you talk about speakers, uh, you know, they've done such an amazing job. Just putting speakers in iPads and, and Macs and stuff. Uh, but the b- big downsize there is you can't turn the volume up very much. You know, So if you really want loud music, then you go to speakers. But otherwise, you know, just for normal use with your computing devices, uh, they've made a major improvement. It's not like a, yeah. a TV speaker or something like that, which is one little tinny thing and no stereo and all that. Right. You, you got wonderful separation and all of that on, on your Apple devices. Uh, it's just got to keep, you know, the, the, it doesn't yeah. let you turn it too loud because it, it gets distorted at the well, when you, Yeah, well, when you're using drivers in a phone where they're, you know, again, you know, half as wide, they're like half the width and size of a area of your fingernail. You can't move that much air with those speakers. So you're not going to get... Right. You know, you'll get some interesting separation and stuff, but you're not going to get um, um, some of the deeper, richer sounds that you can make with, you know, a larger cone. Yeah, and, the main hurting is where your place where you're hurting is in the bass. Right. But, you know, it's it's clear that they um, – and, and I remember reading about it maybe five years ago or something where several of the um, uh, uh, Apple News people got invited to go tour through their – their um, audio production facility, or audio development facility, yeah. and they yeah. and they apparently have like you know um, complete quiet rooms and and lots of uh, they've invested a lot of money and effort creating a place where they can design and test and and manage sound stages, and that has we've seen that pay off in lots of products in the last five years or so. So that, like you said, not only um, do their laptops and desktops now sound better than they ever did, but so do the you know the phone. You can just literally hold the phone in front of your head, and it you, it'll create a stereo soundstage that you can actually hear and recognize. Um, and yeah. then the quality of sound that comes out of their headphones and uh, and the um, you know even the HomePod Mini, which is you know what a three and a half inch driver. That's it inside that has has yeah. amazingly well, good sound yeah and when you talk about headphones you know that better fits with our whole mobile concept you know mm-hmm. uh but about the only place that that is left is loud noise in a room you know <laughs> right right well not even necessarily loud noise you can have it play softly i mean i had family over on the oh, weekend oh you oh you can but you don't buy it for that well, I disagree. I, I don't usually play my music terribly loud. I like having it as something that sort of plays in the background. And what I was getting at was while we had people over, I had it play music everywhere. So it was synchronized, coming out of all the speakers throughout the house. and then, uh-huh. uh, But it was just in the background. You know, it mm-hmm. was just kind of quiet, and and it was, and but but it was synchronized. So no matter where you went in the house, you could hear it because I've got a couple of you know I've got a couple of minis, and I've got a you know a, a pair of the uh, original ones sitting by my TV. And uh, and so the sound was, you know, just kind of everywhere you went, there was a little bit of um, uh, sort of uh, 
Sounds of Summer was the playlist I was playing. So, um, you know, I just, mm-hmm. it, to each their own um, as to what it does. But I think that uh, I, I know several people who are who are lamenting the fact that the, the larger quality air uh, home pods had disappeared and had felt like, because the... It's it's weird too. Apparently, they use the S series chips, which are the same ones that are in the Apple Watch, in the mm-hmm. in the Mini is is an S series chip, and they're assuming that that's what will be in the you know the relaunched um, uh, larger HomePods, but the the old full size HomePods that are no longer being sold didn't have an S chip in it. It had an A chip in it from like the a five or something like that. So that was from the phone, you know, it's mm-hmm. funny. It's funny to think that the, that the, uh, that the chip that runs the watch is, is fast enough and powerful enough to do all their processing. But, um, I've had some people complain or I've heard some people complain online about the fact that the old iPods, even though they've been getting all the updates with the software, seem to be slower and less reactive even though they've got a chip that was for a more powerful device it's an older version and it just doesn't seem to run as well and mm. so whether they have to compile it you know separately from the from the S series chip that runs in the minis clearly there's a lot more minis out there and so the feeling was is that sort of these the original home pods were being neglected a little bit it's like yeah, they mm. get the upgrades, but they don't really go in and tune it well and spend much time making sure that it runs fast and runs smoothly because it seems to run much better on the Mini. Well, than the, it does the worst thing about it is when they stop selling it, that means that the support and the development money is cut off too. Yeah, well, usually they go, what, about five years in, in, in it as a supported device, and after five years, then it becomes a... Uh, uh, I can't remember the term, but it's not, it's like archived. And that means that it only gets like, like, um, uh, security updates, no more features or anything like that after five yeah. years. And that drops down and that only lasts two years. So at seven years, then it, it usually, the whole device is no longer supported within the line. That's generally Apple's life cycle for devices. Um, you know, and then, but, you know, it doesn't mean that it stops working. It just means that it's not going to get any attention anymore. So um, so we'll see how long it, it takes because they only quit selling that thing like a year and a half ago. You know? Uh, yeah, it hasn't been that long. I mean, the the originals. It'll be interesting to see if they come out with a new one. You know, the other thing that's been dangling out there is um, uh, Apple, you know, bought the 5g modem fab business from intel right with the intent that they were going to create their own modems and at the same time they signed a deal with qualcomm to start using qualcomm stuff again until they felt like they could get theirs to where it's as good or better than the qualcomm stuff and so far everything we've read has said you know they're still using qualcomm modems in their phones so, well, I I read an article about TSMC and that that they're having difficulty making making uh, smaller fabs now, ever, and, and the the fact that the two previous generations uh, I, I forgot they designated them uh, seven five three, 
you know, net nanometer or whatever. Right. Well, they, they weren't even close to being uh, the um, uh, to the level of quality or reduc size reduction that was advertised. That that was all false advertising, and so they they really don't have three nan nanosecond or uh, three nanometer, nanometer whatever fabs. Yeah, fab that is. It doesn't exist. Well, notice that the most the most recent uh, M2 chip they said it's it's using the five nanometer P fab, which was sort of like an advanced version of the five nanometer that they had used a year ago, which means they didn't really shrink it. Well, and and the five nanometer was also a cheating number too. Yeah. It wasn't correct. So well, when you multiply the two things, their business of of chip size reduction is considerably less than, than as advertised. Now, it was better than Intel. Right. You know, that well, was the primary thing. I have read for a long time that these numbers that they throw out, the, you know, 5 nanometer, 7 nanometer, 10 nanometer process, that all of that stuff is kind of, uh, it's all marketing speak because yeah. it just depends on where you measure it and how you measure it. And so the reality is, is that, you know, that the each... Fab is going to use whatever number they think they can get away with in marketing, but yeah. that you know the the people who are buying their products know what they're getting. They're not well. Well, the article I read, the guy, the author, obviously thought he had sort of an expose of what was going on, and with real numbers from some test lab uh -huh. uh, that were, that had torn these things down, and uh, and it was it was kind of shocking. Yeah, you know. Well, I mean, it, it may have been, you know, news to him, but like I said, it's it's been something that's been known for quite a while that, you know, the when, when they call it like a, 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 you know, a five nanometer process, that means that, that the closest they were able to get two wires to each other and still send signals that didn't have problems was five nanometers. Doesn't mean yeah. that everything on the chip is five nanometers apart, yeah. um, you know, and so... Uh, you just have to, you know, in that world, I think the people who are buying the stuff and the people who are doing the chip designs, you know, know the real nitty gritty of what's there and what's not there. And there's a reason that Apple uses the TSMC folks, because regardless of what numbers they throw around, they still have uh, the highest quality fab that Apple could buy, you know. Yep. And yep. so that's why they're there. But uh it's interesting. Hey, did you hear the other thing that was out about the, the you know the the thirteen inch laptop that is out and shipping with the M two chip in it? Uh, they found out that because they went from two one twenty eights to a single two fifty six chip, that yep. the memory access is actually <laughs> uh, twice half as fast for the uh, yeah. for that device. Yeah, uh, I thought that was interesting too. Yeah, yeah, because it basically says, you know. When you're buying it, it's like, I don't want to know how much, I don't want to just know how much storage I'm buying. I want to know how that storage is going to be configured in my device, you know, and that's not something Apple shares. But mm -hmm. the the <clears throat> gist of it is, is that when you've got two chips, like two 128s, each of them has a, a, a is attached to the memory bus. But if you buy a single 150, uh, 256, memory chip and put it in there, then it's only attached to the memory bus once instead of spreading it across two bus attachments. Right. And so you can, you know, you could have previously written to it simultaneously, and that was the case with the M1s. But with his brand new M2 chip, 
at least at this size level. They said with larger chips that when they checked like the 512 and the and the terabyte, they were both using two chips and so there was no no change. But how disappointing would it be to find out that you you know, waited yeah. to get this M2 processor and then found out that it's actually slower in some functions, depending on how you, again, how you use the computer. Right. Most people would never know. You know? That's right. If, if you sit and type on your computer and browse the Internet and, you know, and work spreadsheets in, in Microsoft Word or Google Docs, or you're never going to know. You're never going to know, you know. But yeah. if you do a database, if, you, if what you do is database design and you're doing a lot of reads and writes and, and uh, uh, you know, or copying large amounts of photo files back and forth, you might notice that right away because mm-hmm. it's a 50% difference. Yep. Uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, that, that, that's the problem with any kind of a, of a speed test. There's, there's always uh, uh, little gotchas because these aren't just straightforward tests. You, you make decisions about how do you actually configure your test and uh, try, try to be an honest broker, but uh, it is, it, there's, there's always judgments, you know. And so, some some of it, yeah, got to believe is intentional, from a, especially when the marketing guys are doing it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like, oh, sure, they're it's they're going to spin it however it sounds the best for sure. Whatever uh, you know, when these things are discovered, you know, a year, uh, six months to a year later, you know, you typically you don't go back and and there's no no way to. Get get some kind of a compensation for something that doesn't work quite as well as you thought it should have, you know? Right. Yeah. Well, and so, especially because they don't market it as such, they're not telling you you will get this or that or this amount of throughput or anything like that. You know, Apple says, you know, in our judgment, this machine does what it's supposed to do. You know, mm-hmm. and so you either agree or you go, nope, this doesn't do what I need it to do. So I'll go get a different <laughs> one, right? What it's supposed to do and what I need may or may not be in alignment. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. Um, one of the other rumors here is that there's going to be a new Apple uh, TV out, this time with an A14 chip in it. And the A14 was what was in the iPhone 12. So... You know, that's a generation newer than what's in my phone and, you know, three or four generations newer than your phone. So. Yeah. You know, it's it's not at all clear why it is that they make those choices either. Yeah. Yeah, I look you at know? that and go, what do you need in an, in an Apple TV? You know, what? how is my use case going to be improved by putting in an A14 chip over, you know, what's in the current one? And the current one has a uh, an A12, which is actually pretty amazing when you think about it. The A12 is probably a faster processor than what you have in your phone. Yeah. Uh, let's see. The A12 and the A10 were the two that were in the two previous versions. So I guess they're just bumping it up to the next one as they're coming out. I wonder what features they're going to put into that, though. You know, you have to. I mean, at this point, what what is it that's in a um, you know, you know, you know that we're talking about something that Apple's never going to reveal. 
yeah. as to why they do these things. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It, 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 there's just all kinds of different things that, uh, that they have to consider when they're making these kinds of decisions that uh, is, is just kind of like none of our business. That's the way they view it, you know? Mm-hmm. You either buy it or you don't. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's basically it. They're, they're saying that, you know, the, that we think that the, the performance and, and usability will blow you away and, and, you know, you shouldn't have to worry. And the vast majority of people don't worry about the details. It's us. It's us, the techie people who go like, well, wait a minute, which processor... Which version of that processor are they using, and how much you know, level two cache does it have? And those are the things. You know, we, and, and even we, the reviewers have their own motive for revealing some of these kinds of things, just because they they come up on something where the data looks interesting. You know, and go, oh, oh, people would like to know about this, so they they can publish their article. You know, right? So. Yeah. I mean, they're trying to find things that are interesting and, and perhaps controversial, right, when, when, they're, when they're looking to write a story or something. I mean, let's face it, though, you and I do, too. When we're sitting here talking about stuff, we'll find things that we think are interesting and, and may yeah. not even mention things. That, you know, there's a whole world of computer stuff that we don't mention because we don't pay attention to, you know, a lot of the PC world anymore. Um, That's Yeah. You know. Yeah, I, I can't remember how long it's been since I've even looked at a pc and what they're doing over there i don't yeah. just kind of ignore it there's, there's too much stuff in the tech world these days to, to spread yourself that thin right yeah well and it's it's you know it's it's fits your needs you know i helped a friend pick out a new computer um a week or so ago and uh you know this is somebody who's worked in an office and used a pc for her entire you know, adult life. And she's like, mm-hmm. there's no reason to even look at a Mac, you know, just, I know how to use yep. windows. I know that's that. I know how to run the apps that I want to run. That's, you know, I, that's what she wanted. And so, you know, and, and there was no doubt I, you can find, you know, more storage and more powerful processors for less money by buying a PC than you can a Mac hands down, not even a yep. question, you know, it's just, is it what you want? You know, I mean, the arguments can be made that, that, you know, by the time you get a well-built aluminum chassis and stuff, you're going to be spending just as much money. You, if you're happy with a, a you know a plastic case and and a thicker computer that weighs more, and you know, yeah. Well, I I always have wondered, you know, since it was the security hassles that drove me away from from uh, Microsoft, uh-huh. uh, the business of uh, if you don't keep maintain your your security stuff, that if you come back two weeks later to use your machine, do you spend an hour trying to get the machine back? Yeah. You know, that that was the ridiculous situation that I was in when I made the change. I was so angry about it that, I mean, I really forgot about that world, said good riddance. Yeah. Well, and to be honest, it, it, again, it depends on your use case. If you're somebody who only occasionally uses your laptop, and so it's uh-huh. not really even – sometimes you have to plug it in to use it because it's been sitting for so long. Uh, then, yeah, you're probably going to get the exact same experience. It's going to boot up and it's going to go, hey, guess what? We got a bunch of upgrades that we did, weren't able to download because you didn't leave us plugged in yeah. and, and turned on somewhere. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, uh, I do still have some delay when I use my Apple device today. Now, it has nothing to do with security. It just has to do with the fact that this computer has been really totally turned off. Not even booted up, you know. And so I boot it up, and when it gets up, 
I've got all this stuff flowing into the mail updates and photo yeah. updates and all this other stuff. And it's taken a bunch of the horsepower of the machine. Right. Well, uh, and you and you have admittedly an incredibly underpowered machine to begin with. It's it's one. That's of the, right. It's the twelve inch MacBook that ran the the barely a the processor flow, processor flow chip from Intel. Yeah, the little Celeron, you know, chip. It's funny, you know, because there's been com- rumors about well, whether or not they would bring back that twelve inch laptop because now they've got the guts that would work perfectly in that. You know, yeah. that could be a high-powered yeah. computer in that small case. Well, that you was know, a mistake, and I realized it right after I had it, but I said, well, I wasn't going to go back then. But yeah. the, the display is too small for me. Right. I, I mean, if I were to ever buy another computer, I would I would think of 16 inches where I ought to start thinking because my eyesight's just not good enough, you know? Right. Otherwise, you know, I've got a uh, 13-inch display on my iPad, you know? Why would I want anything smaller than that? Yeah. It's, um, you know, I think, again, everybody has their own use cases, right? I mean, for you, that yep. that makes, you know, the, having a, a big screen that you can see clearly on is important. Um, see, that's why I others, was telling you that it... That if I had had a big wanted to have a big screen, just go buy the big screen display and plug my device into it. And, you know, <laughs> right? Yeah, when you really want the big screen, you know. Um, yeah. But that's why a lot of people also, you know, some some people want small and light because they have to carry stuff around, and they're you know the slightly smaller screen doesn't bother them at all. You know, because mm-hmm. they look at it as slightly smaller. You look at it and go like, well, that's a lot smaller. Why would I want to carry that little thing around? Um, <laughs> you know. But I think you're right. I mean, if you you know you generally are using what is effectively a 13 inch iPad as your primary screen, on occasion you might want to be able to make it you know put it onto something bigger, and you can you can use uh, you know AirShare to AirShare it to your television set if you want. But uh, but nothing's going to beat physically attaching it to a a monitor, you know, when you're sitting down to work. Yeah. Yeah, I I don't generally like to sit in one spot because uh, my chair here in my office is not as comfortable as the one I sit on in the living room. Yeah, you know? mainly I I sit with my feet up, you know, most ninety percent of the time, and I don't have that leg rest here. That's why it's just not very comfortable. Yeah, but you that's know, I, I can I, easily I can solvable. <laughs> Put my feet on the desk. Yeah, but that's kind of precarious. You you can you know spend twenty five bucks and get a cheap ottoman and set your feet on top of that too. Yeah, I mean, that's what I have in my shack here. Is uh, I've got on one side I've got a, a essentially a a box that's been wrapped in material with a cushion on top so that I can you know it's but it's a cheap little ottoman that I picked up on Amazon, and then on the other side I've got a a, a speaker a uh, PA speaker that's a fairly big box and I uh I bought uh a little long like seat cushion type pillow type thing so that I have a cushion on top of that too so I can set my feet there if I want so I can put my mm-hmm. feet up so and I solved it without saying gosh this chair doesn't work for me <laughs> so you know, um, interesting stuff going on anyway with the uh, 
with uh, uh, in the world of Apple, you know, wondering what what else is coming out has kind of been my my thing. You know, um, I'm just curious where they're going. I, I would yeah, not well, be a bit surprised if at some point we see them sell a version of the Apple TV that they're going to call the Apple TV, you know, Gamers Edition or some other thing that comes with a couple game controllers um, because they've got enough processing power in there to keep up with any of the the big gaming industry people, you know. So now the question is they just got to get enough um, of the, like, A-series games yeah, you know, uh, to compete with like the Xbox and the PlayStation. Yeah, they're, they're talking about a new Apple TV, right? Right. Well, they said this new one's going to have the uh, what was it, the A14 chip in it, and so. But even the current one that has the A12 chip in it, it's got certainly enough processing power. They might have to bump up the um, the uh, GPUs in order to create some of the images if they really want to compete with the best of the um you know the A series games that are on mm-hmm. things like PlayStation and and the other thing that they have to do and I've listened to some developers talk about this is there's not an easy way to develop for uh those devices and then recreate that development on the you know on an Apple chip that they they don't have a developers kit that's designed for the people who are doing the A-series gaming. And so um, they need to figure out how to get into that world. And, of course, one of the ways to do that is to use, you know, some of the design engines that they have out there. But they, they're they currently still, in, you know, in court arguing with one of the largest makers of the design engines. So, you know, they're not, they're not making any headway with those folks, for sure. Qualcomm, you mean? No, um, uh... Shoot, I can't remember the name of the gaming company behind it. Um, Fort, oh, the Fortnite uh, makers, the guys who make Fortnite, they they make a gaming engine that's used on hundreds of other games. And so, I gotcha. if if that gaming engine were easy to port to Apple stuff, then you know, then a lot of these high end games that you can only get when you're on a PlayStation or on a on an Xbox would be able to be quickly and easily ported over to. Um, uh, Apple's platforms, but uh, you know when Apple's burning their bridges with this company that makes the gaming engine, um, that well, seems lot very unlikely. Speaking of gaming, it seems to me I'm not sure if it was Activision or just who it was, but there was a gaming company that Apple was rumored to be in negotiation with or something. Did you see that article? Yeah, I don't know which one it was. I thought Activision was being bought out by Microsoft, so. Maybe, that's probably not the right name. Right, yeah, I, but there's a bunch I of them. I don't even. But Epic Games is the company that they've been in, in court battling over, you know, because they blocked them from being able to be on the App Store because Epic Games decided to try to start selling uh, um, subscriptions to their to their game Fortnite directly from their own website and Apple said that's against our rules and basically mm-hmm. Apple won won the court case essentially saying yeah that you know you are allowed to have those rules Epic knew the rules when they signed up so I don't know mm-hmm. we'll see we'll yeah. see what happens but 
I think that they've got the underlying, you know, technology to do to, to compete in that world. It's funny to see though that you know Apple's device is this small little black box, whereas the PlayStation and the Xbox are both large boxes with fans and trying to deal with heat and you know because they don't have the advantage of the uh, uh, yeah, super engineered A M series chips and A series chips. Yeah. Well, in the, in, the, in the gamers' world, it was fact. It's always the, the theory was been the opposite. We'll do anything to get high performance, and uh, we're not worried about power because we're always plugged into a AC cord. So they didn't think there was any concern. You know, who cares? Yeah, yeah. It was all about that. And, you know, and, fact- and, and the end user didn't really care either because you know it's adding a little bit of heat to the room, but you know. Yeah. You're not touching it. <laughs> yeah, so well, I, I'm not sure uh, that uh, the technology matters all that much to the gamers. They just want certain games. They, they're dedicated to the quality of the gaming thing, and that's that's their focus. Well, yeah. Um, in fact, even to the exclusion of of um, resolution, I know there's there a lot of gamers who still play at 1080p rather than at 4K because it's the the visuals good enough and if you get um a broad enough color palette you can draw you know it's four times less dots on the screen so you can redraw the screen faster and react quicker yeah so yeah. apparently both the Xbox Xbox and the um PlayStation right now use an AMD Zen 2 CPU with 8 cores and 16 threads yeah so, um, well, Apple has the technology now. If they wanted to, they could crank out a, a dedicated engine engine for gaming. You know, sure. Uh, that would probably really be competitive. It's just uh, it's just a matter of does it does it make business sense? You know. Well, like I said, the biggest piece to them is is great. We can build something that will you know physically be better or faster hardware, but. All of the gamers play on one of two platforms or PCs. So they either play on PCs, the PlayStation, or the Xbox. And and all of the people who develop games develop for those platforms. Can we get them to transport or translate that stuff to our platform, and can we make it as easy as possible for them? And right now, they don't don't have a solution there. Yeah, that's the real thing, is to make something compatible with the source code so that they can immediately compile those games. Right. You know, just gift gift it to the game company and say, here you go. Yeah, yeah. We'll give you a new market, expand your market. Yeah. That would be the way to approach it. Right. The the question is, is do they have something that allows them to create a um, uh, an easy translation to their hardware? You know, because the game people going to go like, okay, so we incrementally get a little bit bigger market. Now, how much effort and time is going to be invested to do that? Right. And does that make sense for us? And thus far, the answer has been no. <laughs> the answer, you know, yeah. but, but I know Apple's got a lot of money, and, and if they have the will to do it, they can certainly go ahead and keep, you know, create that, um, uh, that translation layer that's going to make life a lot easier. And then yeah. you'll start seeing more of those A-series games showing up on, yeah, at, at, on Apple at, hardware. At, at this point, it's, it's all a matter of, first of all, understanding what the marketplace is and 
whether it has any growth potential. Yeah. Because uh, you, you figure know, if they get it working on that, on that, uh, say, on the Apple TV device as a gaming device, then it's also going to work on all the other Apple devices, right? Yeah. I mean, there's yeah. nothing stopping them from running it on a, on an iPad or on a on a Mac. So. So. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't know. Historically, that's not been a place where Apple has chosen to. No, that live and die was supporting their music business. That's always been a high priority. Yeah. Uh, and uh, and they put a lot of money in the Apple TV production business too. Right. And and uh, apparently it's not growing as as well as they thought it would. It did for a while, but uh, oh, really? it's, they think that without the bundling, uh, they wouldn't be going anywhere. You know, like I, I've got Apple One, I think it's called, when you get the TV yeah. and the. Yeah, I do too. The uh, Apple bund where you're providing their ser their services are bundled. I think yeah. that, that you know. It, they got to market it better to make sure that people are aware of some of this stuff. And some of the, you know, winning, winning some Grammy or not some Grammys, but uh, what are they Emmys or, or Academy Awards for some of the movies that they've done, you know, winning those awards gets the word out there to the, but the yeah. general public doesn't realize that even if you don't have an Apple device that you can watch Apple TV plus, and that has not been marketed. I've never seen a commercial or anything saying, Hey, you know, check this out on Apple TV, unless I was already on Apple TV Plus. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's a, it's probably in the marketing uh, right now. I mean, right. that's where that's where it's got to. Right. But they have started. enough. They have enough um, uh, well, they, well, software there recently, now. There's enough shows they, there that they could that they could now start telling people, "Hey, come check this out." It's not check out the the one show we have that's cool. You know. Now, did, didn't they just uh, get the franchise for either football or basketball for next year? They just recently. Um, uh, they had one of the professional leagues. I, I don't recall what it was, but it was well. Seemed they, like I saw some. They they just signed something with uh, major soccer, so they've got soccer. Oh, that's right, soccer. That's and, what it was. And they're doing Friday night baseball games. Which I've tried to watch, but the only team I'm interested in watching is the Dodgers. And every time the Dodgers are on Friday Night Baseball through Apple, it's blacked out because I live in the Dodgers area, so I can't watch it. So I basically haven't watched any of the baseball because because I have to go watch it on my local TV station. And it's like, well, if I'm going to do that, then you know, I don't know. It just yeah. it, it, so I haven't had a chance to really look at their their you know Friday Night Baseball because they they have two games every week on Fridays. Um, now, rumor has it, and I've not heard anything that it's been decided yet, but um, there's a package that app, that the NFL has been selling via exclusively via um, uh, DirecTV satellite, and that's the only place you could get it. You couldn't get it anywhere else. You had to have a DirecTV satellite, and you could get their, um, their uh, Sunday ticket is what they called it. And basically, you got to watch every single game anywhere going on in the country on the NFL on Sundays. So yeah, that's what Brian, Brian and Haley have. He bought right. that just for that. Yeah. And that's, I have it and I've had it for years and I watch my Packer games, you know, uh, cause I don't live in the same town as them. So I don't get them all blacked out. Um, although they sell out, so it wouldn't have to, uh, unlike a lot of these LA, <laughs> LA, LA teams don't always sell out. So stuff gets blacked out. 
Um, or what happens is, you know, even if you have the special package, they black you out, but they force you to then watch the the local TV. So, yeah, if it's if it's on a local channel, they force you to watch it there. So you have to watch their commercials. But anyway, um, <laughs> it's, rumor has it that that well, the Directv um, contract is up after this year. So the, after the 2022 season, which will wrap up with the Super Bowl in February of 2023, then Directv no longer has that exclusively and and some big boys have been bidding for it and apple is one of them and apple rumor is rumored to be the front runner um and so that would be pretty cool i think to stream it you know that would certainly be a big gotcha for um a a big get for apple Um, oh yeah you got to figure if they really want it they can pretty much outbid anybody for it so it's just a matter of how much they want it and what they value it at um you know but i hear that amazon is one of the other ones that's in conversations about that. Um, yep. So. Well, that, that, that's good to have something that, that, uh, to sell like that. Yeah. I mean, it'll be, you know, even though it'll be through Apple or Amazon, there'll be a, a package price to get it. It's not going to be like they already said with the soccer, with major league soccer. Um, you know, if you have Apple TV, that doesn't mean you get soccer. They may give you a game a week on regular Apple TV, but if you want the whole package, you've got to buy it as a package from Apple. You know, the frustrating uh, thing about all of this from a consumer standpoint is that uh, pretty soon you end up with two or three different devices and ways to get things in order to get the, the several things that you're interested in. Yeah. It's, been, it's really being broken up. Yeah. You know, it used to be you just depended on if I have cable TV, I got it all, right? Right. No, that's not true anymore. Well, people you were know? complaining that they were spending, you know, two and three hundred dollars for the cable TV package, and now they're finding out that it's not any cheaper if you piecemeal it because you end up wanting just enough from each little bucket that you just end up buying a whole bunch of buckets. Well, that's it makes it more complicated operating system too. You know oh, it mean? does. For whatever you're doing. Yeah. So the end user loses. Yeah. Well, that's where Apple's trying to say, you know, use the Apple TV Plus app within the Apple TV. And so that then will tell you, you know, like, what were you, you know, what were you last watching? Do you want to finish watching that? What's next up in your queue? Um, They're trying to give you an interface, you know, and use your voice search to find stuff so that you're not digging around. Mm -hmm. That's one of the things is like, I use that voice search all the time. And Elaine was looking for a movie the other day. And so she's scanning through our list of movies. And I'm like, just hit the button on the side and say Jaws, you know, it'll pop right up. (laughs) (laughs) Too easy. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. We watched Jaws this weekend because it's a 4th of July weekend movie. That's when the movie takes place is over a 4th of July weekend at this, you know, their little town. And and uh, we just just went to Universal Studios recently, and uh, and uh, and saw Bruce, which is the name of the mechanical shark, and uh, yeah, and so it uh, planted the seeds. Yeah. Speaking of sharks, I was out this morning, and just just before I got home, they, somebody said that the, in the United States, the normal shark season starts in August through somewhere later, and here it is, not even August yet. And we have in the United States 17 people that have been bitten by sharks this year. Isn't that amazing? That's stunning. 
Yeah, yeah, and, and I don't know whether it's is is are they attributing it to warmer waters and and global warming or more they, people no, in the they, water they, because it's hot no out. Commentary or? in that regard, you know. Uh-huh. The only one they they did comment was on the latest guy who was that was actually uh, in shallow water somewhere uh, doing training for person that gets bit by a shark. Uh-huh. And this was and the guy that was pretending to be the victim of a shark bite. While he was doing that, a darn shark came in and actually bit him while he was acting like, you know, he was yeah, already he was, a victim. He was and playing he had, a shark victim, and the shark said, hey, there's a victim. Uh, yeah, and it got, got uh, his hand and uh, somewhere else. I didn't, didn't yeah, hear what it, else. It, that's it's hilarious if it wasn't so horrible. Really, yeah. <laughs> it's one of those like you couldn't write a, a comedy routine better, right? Go out, play victim for a shark, and hey, guess what? A shark showed up. Yeah, so that was that turned out to be the real story and why he started talking about the you know, the shark bites this year. Uh huh. But uh, I, I thought that was pretty stunning. <laughs> it is. Say, well, I'm not going to act like I'm a shark bite victim ever again. <laughs> yeah, it's like yeah, because they, I became they, one. <laughs> yeah, that, the, apparently acting like a victim around a bunch of sharks. Yeah. Sends a message. Sends a message. And the sharks picked up on that message. They're not dumb. Yeah. But anyway, they they did went on to talk about some people or some beaches where they have helicopter overflights to spot and some uh-huh. kind of a notification system uh, in play so that beaches can be safer. Yeah. You know? Yeah. No, uh, I know they do that kind of thing the in first, Australia. First trial of all of this stuff, you know? Yeah. Yeah, well, here in the U.S., obviously, the 4th of July weekend, there's going to be a lot of people out at the beaches and stuff when it's uh, typically warm weathers, uh, warm weather. So the water feels good, right? There'll be a lot of people at the beach. Oh, yeah. Uh, I, yeah. I saw a special um, on some channel. I don't remember exactly where it was, but they were talking about those those overflights because you can, you know, you'll see sharks that are just, you know, you know. Uh, 50, you, yard, you, 50 yards offshore or less, 10 yards offshore sometimes just well, swimming around. Well, well, the problem is when you're down at the water level, you can't see this stuff at all. Right. You know, so the system has to somehow trigger mm-hmm. something that the people that are on the beach can see to know that there's sharks out there and where they spotted them. Right. You know? Yeah. Well, that's why you radio back to then lifeguards on the beach who then can, like, you know, get people out of the water if there's something spotted in one area versus another. I would think, yeah, it'd be a siren system or something like that that says, uh, you know, danger. Yeah. You know, siren's well, I mean, always good for danger, right? Yeah. Well, <laughs> beaches have, you know, uh, there's there's um, flags that they put up on the on the lifeguard towers. And so different flags pop up for different things. Yeah, but people don't keep checking flags. You hear something better is a better. Oh yeah, first. well, I mean, if it's an actual emergency and they need you out of the water, then sure, I'm sure they've got sirens that they set off, and you know, uh, lifeguards jumping up and down on the shore saying, "Come on, get your butt out of the water." Yeah, it needs to be a standard deal set up so people know what to look for uh, when they when they go into into these areas. Yeah. Do you ever want to play around with a Chromebook? This weekend only. Uh, today's the last day. If you go to, uh, online or if you go into your Best Buy store, they have a Lenovo Chromebook for $79. Wow. That reminds me of some time back when I bought, uh, what do they call those lap, 
not, not laptops. They call them netbooks. Or oh, something the like netbooks. That. Yeah, those were miserable. The pieces, those junk things, you know. Yeah. Below a hundred dollars, what, what, what's it going to be made of? <laughs> yeah. Plastic, well, plastic, the thing right? is, is those were, you know, uh, those were a netbook that was trying to run Windows on it with, with like no memory and no storage. <laughs> You know, <laughs> um, this this is basically a, a web browser interface into a you know browser. That's what a Chromebook basically is, and so um, it's yeah. not going to have much memory or storage. It shows four gigabytes of memory and sixty four gigabytes of storage, so it can store some documents online, so that you can you know if you're traveling and you don't have Wi Fi. But for the most part, Chromebooks are really designed to be in a Wi-Fi environment. So a lot of people, a lot of schools use, um, uh, require them to have them now uh, because it's an inexpensive way to get, you know, access to technology to a lot of kids. So it makes sense. You know, whether I'm not saying this particular one, but I'm just saying Chromebooks make a lot of sense in classroom environments. Um, so, yeah, this is an 11.6-inch uh, screen, so it's not you know it's eleven and a half, so it's not a very big screen, small, yeah. um, and uh, four gigabytes with sixty four gigabytes of storage. Um, it's got a Intel yeah. Celeron processor, so it's got a very similar processor to the little MacBook that you've got, and um, and a, probably a ten twenty four uh, pixel. <laughs> oh, I'm sure it's not a 4K monitor. I'm sure it's it's the the screen is 1024. Let me go down here to specs. Oops, specs. Uh, yeah, it's got the built-in Intel graphics, which are pretty much entry-level graphics. Uh, the screen is 1366 by 768, so it's a little better than the 1024 by 768. Oh. It's a smidge wider screen than yeah. that. So, but it's basically a yeah, just a HD TV screen level. Um, mm -hmm. You know, it's got very small amount of storage, got a small screen, but it's you know it's going to be light and portable. And if you need a um, a uh, Chromebook, that's as cheap as one as I've seen. So, yep. You know. I don't know. It's there. There would have been a time when I would said, oh, "I might get one of those just to kind of play with it and see what it uh, what it does and doesn't do." Um, you do have to check, though. I, I found with the Chromebooks, a lot of the ones that are really cheap like this are older models, and you'll find out that it's either at or almost at the point where they the Google's Chrome OS won't support it anymore. They only support. They're sort of like Apple. They they continue to support for you know four or five years. So if this is an older model that they're selling and they're just clearing out inventory, which is very likely given the price. Um, oh, so it, so it doesn't work for the latest and greatest. It, right? it it may not be able to be upgraded much beyond now. You know, in terms of yeah. the Chrome OS software. Now that said, um, I don't know what they're but, adding to Chrome OS that would make it. You you absolutely need to have the the latest and greatest version either you know yeah as long as it can launch I, and run I, your I email noticed and that word there's processing. some m1 m1 uh products that are being marked down too for the weekend so last year's m1 uh, chips with the, the m2 uh, chip out you know now for right well the m2 chip is only out in one computer the other one hasn't even shipped yet so yeah i, I know but but the, they're gonna the clear out inventory sure yeah just trying to get rid of them yeah 
Yeah, no, that uh, makes sense. And and quite honestly, if you're looking for a new laptop, any of the M1s are going to blow you away in terms of the uh, speed and battery life. And, you know, I mean, it's... Yeah, you know, but they were all small, right? But unless you got a... Unless you got a uh, iMac. The M1s? No, they had the 16-inch M1s. Oh, that, that's right. They did 14 and 16-inch. Yeah. The pros. The two pros were 14 and 16. Those, those, I haven't seen any of those blown out, though. They're, they're, they're the little ones, 13-inch screens. Sure. Well, that's because that's the only one that there's been an M2 replacement already announced for, right, was the Air. Right. And so, yep. uh, you know, get an M1 Air. And you get if you get an M1 Air, it's going to look like every every MacBook Air has pretty much since they first introduced it because they never changed the body style until the M2. So if you really wanted the newer looking one, then you'd have to wait and pay the extra. Well, you get more ports in the newer body style, right? You pick up some ports. Uh, it also just looks newer. Um, it costs what a hundred dollars more. New to new, but if they're blowing out uh, uh, the M ones, M ones, then you, then it's even more of a price difference. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just looking at the Fourth of July sales for Best Buy, just kind of flipping through and seeing what they've got. So. And they've got pretty much all of their computers. They've got some, you know, discount ones. So it's probably not a bad time to buy a computer if you're, if you're so inclined. And like you said, I I would not hesitate to recommend somebody go buy, uh, one of the um, uh, MacBook Airs for you know the M1 MacBook Airs. I mm-hmm. think that uh, anybody who got one of those would be happy as they could possibly be. Oh, you think so? <laughs> I, I think so. The an, an M1 MacBook Air, if if that's if you're looking for a a uh uh laptop computer, the MacBook Air is is a great device. And I don't yep. think you're going to get the M1 and then go, "Gosh, I wish I had the M2." immediately. No. Nah. No, you bought one. If you want to upgrade, either one of them is a good thing now. Just what do you want to spend, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, I'm looking at it, and... Uh, that That's the unfortunate thing with the inflation and all that going on. These prices are all going up. So it's good to find something where the prices are going the other way. <laughs> yeah, where did you see them on sale? Uh... Let me see if I still have that screen still, here. They were still $99 at the uh, at the uh, Best Buy, on the Best Buy website, or $9.99 for the basic one, which is what oh, you can get it from Apple uh, or from anybody. I'm sure they're on sale. Uh, oh, no. I guess I blew, threw that screen away already. Oh, well. Because... Uh, yeah, I must have, because I brought up your screens, and I think I just made some space for it with stuff mm-hmm. I had on there. Yeah. Now, I just I was just curious as to uh, what, uh, just a minute here. what they might have. Oh, here, July 4th deal. I did find it. It's on Flipbook. 
Uh, Apple's latest 12.9. Oh, that's a that's not a laptop. It's an iPad Pro. The latest Pro has got 4.49 off for July 4th. Mm -hmm. but, but that's a smaller. A memory size, so and, and I think that there's um, uh, there you're going to see that because it's expected that they're going to have um, new versions with the M2s in them out shortly. Yep, that's why. Uh, uh, no, I saw the. This is weird. I just went to to the Target website to see if they had them on sale, and it seems like they sell everything Apple except for the Mac. Like you can even buy keyboards and the Apple polishing cloth for the screens and every kind of cable Target. and mouse. Mm. You can buy an Apple mouse, but they don't – so they sell every accessory. They sell watches. They sell phones. They sell iPads, but it doesn't look like they sell the actual laptops. If it does, the, I don't know how to get to it. I'm scrolling through. Mm. Huh. Let me do this. Let me go in here and type in – Apple Mac. <laughs> I'm I'm on a page looking at different Apple things, and there's one other box here that says a tiny shower for your butt, and it's a what's called Whisper bidets. <laughs> <laughs> I think it got filed in the wrong group here somehow. Yeah. <laughs> well, Everything with else all those pages, uh, Apple with the uh, with the um, uh, you know toilet paper shortages of. The great toilet paper shortage of 2020, <laughs> bidets were making a uh, comeback. Huh? Yeah, that's funny. Uh, I went to the next page, and it's all Apple, so it's, that's yeah. just an outlier. It's, it got stuck in there. Somebody. Yeah, that's the funny problem, thing, right? Is, is it's yeah, it's like it, the search criteria. So there must be a keyword on that particular device that's uh, yeah. that's yeah. Unexpected. I, I don't understand what happened there because it doesn't. Uh, it, it just. Oh, it's an advertisement. That's how it's marked differently than uh, the others. But you would think, yeah, and how did that get so, advertised there when you're searching? So that, that, and that, that one says shop now, which is going to take you somewhere else. Right. The others don't have that. So it's just they, they didn't know what was going to be advertised, but they had an advertising spot, and they were fulfilling somebody's obligation, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, it really looked weird. Okay. <laughs> uh, anyway, I, I like Flipbook. Do you, you look through that very often? I have not in ages. I know you started using it again. It's just a, an RSS reader, so it's whatever you decide to subscribe to. But it, put, well, gives, it, it gives it to you a nice layout. What's neat is they get stuff from lots of the other sources, you know, so it's a, it's a blending of... of uh, Right. Articles from different sources. Right. It's an RSS reader, so it reads the RSS feeds from whatever websites you tell it you want to read the RSS feeds from. So when you first get mm -hmm. it, you go through and answer a bunch of questions and or click on things that look like interesting topics to you, and then it then sets up a search yeah, see, criteria. Yeah, like, like on the page I'm on now, here's a Macworld article, of a, a Digital Trends article, and a Cult of Mac article. Yeah. Hannah? Yeah. Oh. There are lots and lots so, of, so, of reader softwares out there. Flipbook is a reasonably good one. Here's a basic best music production software for 2022. 
futurism.com. Futurism, huh? Yeah. Anyway. Well, I think we're running out of things to talk about. <laughs> yeah, I, it got silent here for a little bit, didn't it? Yeah. Dep silence is deafening. <laughs> uh, and here's a new, new one. Apple CarPlay will let you pay for gas from your driver's seat. From it your was, driver's uh, the, seat. The Verge has this one. During its WWDC event a few weeks ago, Apple announced iOS 16, highlighting a next-generation CarPlay experience that automakers might not be ready for anytime soon. It's also announced a new fueling and driving ta tasks app feature. Uh, and uh, anyway, uh, they're available in CarPlay. Reuters reports at least one gas chain has an implementation of the feature in its pipeline, enabling a new way to find gas stations and pay at the pump using just your car's inf infotainment system. So it's an Apple Pay deal. Huh. huh. Well, that sounds like an interesting thing, Cousin. It knows you're at that gas station and charges you. How does it know which gas you're using? Because there's usually two or three different prices on each pump, right? Well, it must come up in the CarPlay uh, description there that you somehow pick that station or something. Yeah, put in and, the right pump uh, and I, pump I, number and, I, and which type of gas, huh? Yeah, it must must know somehow. So, They also have electric vehicle char uh, charging apps like ChargePoint and Electrify America already work with Apple CarPay allowing you to find stations, get directions, and start charging at selected stations. All are from the infotainment system of your car. And that's after they get the iOS 16 out this fall, mm -hmm. you know. So uh, sounds like the car is going to have a lot of things to help you do things. Yeah, well, you know, they said there was this advanced CarPlay that was coming, and it sounds like they're serious about it being significantly uh, uh, more advanced than just what they've got thus far. I just sent you a link to somebody who's got a apparently a working uh, demo of an interchangeable lens system that'll work with an iPhone. I don't think it's available as a product yet. Uh, MagSafe, oh, that's so. I saw that one earlier this morning, and I was thinking about it when you were talking about these things, yeah. but I didn't go to the article. Uh, yeah. Turns your iPhone 13 into a professional mirrorless camera. I, did, it's, I don't understand the MagSafe verbiage here. What, what, just the, well, I think that's how they're using They're attaching the cameras via um, with magnets, a, yeah, mag, with a magnets. magnet system, and which makes sense. You know, why, why turn and lock it in and have to have the, the additional thickness? when you can just hold it there with a magnet, you know? Yeah. Uh, okay, well, that that is, it, it looks impressive, doesn't it? It does. It looks very similar to what I was just bemoaning the fact that didn't exist. Um, so, interesting. Yeah, we'll uh, 
time will tell as to whether or not it actually um, you know, becomes a product. Because this looks to me like yeah. this is all mock-ups and stuff right now. Um, but I love the the idea of... Well, you, you're looking at the picture about the details of how they work that thing on the back. Uh, it, there's some kind of a thing that you put your camera into this, I guess. Yeah, it looks like it's a case that gives you a little bit of a grip and a shutter button. Um, yeah. And then... A way to eject the lens. The yeah, I don't know. The lens just looks like it snaps on via a magnet magnetic function, but it's also yeah. got to line up properly. So, well, yeah, they've got a variety of different things and ideas here. So we'll just see. I would be interested in that at some point. You know, if it if it truly is a working thing. Yeah. So. Yeah, get your hands on it and look at it before you spend your money. Because it doesn't have any prices here, does it? No, that's because I don't think it's a real product yet. It's a yeah. uh, concept. Concept, yeah. I, and mm. so, you know, if it, it once it becomes a real product, if it ever becomes a real product, I would be interested in it. I, I like the idea of what it can do. We'll see if it... Uh, Yep. You know, because they the camera the the lens doesn't physically attach to, I mean to the device, I you know, that means that there's got the lens has to have its own sensor in there. And, and so, if they sell it it'd be good if they got Apple to sell it through the Apple stores. Yeah. You know, yeah, that clearly, would be really cool. Clearly. Um well, and I would I mean I would love it to be so integrated that like I said the picture that comes from that is now um uh Processed into your photos and stuff. Yeah, it's processed regard. You know, just like it was just one of the lenses built into the camera. So, sure. Yep. So we'll see. There's, you know, there's a lot of integration that would be required, not just physically, but also via the software to make that work the way I would want it to work. And if it, if it was too clunky or clunky or kludgy, then I don't but, think it. It's not that. Then it's not interesting anymore. Yeah, the, the the biggest issue right now is it's limited to a certain model of camera, isn't it? Yeah, they said it was the iPhone 13, which is the current one. But, you know, obviously yeah. if if the, the, the case that attaches to the camera, you could probably make that for a variety of different cameras. Probably, so, yeah. Or, or rather different phones, rather. So that way you could use it with, you know, you buy the lens and then whichever case you need for whichever camera you want That's you know, and ideally, I, this would grow to the point where there would be multiple lenses, so you'd have different options for lenses depending on what you're trying to do. Right. So, but it's more expensive than a regular lens too, because it's also got to have, um, uh, in addition to the lens, it's got to have its own sensor and everything built into that lens. Yeah. Well, anyway, the the still optical folks are trying to stay in the business, right? Yeah. Well, and, you know, it just depends, again, what do you use your camera for and does this make sense? Yeah. Yep, they got filters, attachments, and all kinds of different stuff on there. Super macro lens for close-ups. Yeah, you know, I mean, they say on here, you know, combine this with Apple's own computational photography chops, and the SCIO turns the iPhone into easily the best camera a consumer can own without breaking the bank. 
well, but we don't know how much it costs and we don't know how well it integrates with Apple's own computational photography. So, so that's a lot of assumptions. Yeah. So, but I like the idea. I like the concept. Somebody else is out there thinking about it. Yeah. You know, and in, you know, the, the larger lens and lar and presumably larger sensor that goes with it have some inherent qualities. So, you know, those are just physics. So anyway, I thought that was interesting. I was flipping around and I saw what was essentially. Uh, yeah. Kind of what we were talking about earlier. And yeah. It sort of fit in there, didn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And I found it okay. on the Flipboard page. And even if you go clear down at the bottom, it says, finally, iPhone movies. <laughs> uh, yeah. Big screen concept enhances the video capabilities of the iPhone. So. Anyway, there's always some gadget widget. Somebody's looking to say, can I sell this thing and make, make a million, right? Yeah, or two. Sure. Well, you know, I mean, finances have to play into it, right? I mean, yeah. the the economics of doing something have to make sense. So, ten yeah. creative can camera concepts. Wow. Anyway, well, I think we'll call it a day, Todd. Okay. Getting one o'clock in a minute. Yeah, Here. and I can <laughs> uh, I can even play our play out music so we can say goodbye, and uh, okay, and we'll be back next week. So thanks for joining us, and uh, we appreciate your support of our Generation Tech podcast. Bye, Dad. Bye, bye. <laughs> <laughs>